How many of you guys can relate to situations like that? Anyone have us? I don't mean necessarily those specifically, but a time in your life where someone's response was so not what you expected. Their words were so different than what you desired, and it sent you flying. Anyone ever have that? I think most of us, when we, when we really think about it, most of us could probably find situations like that in our life. You know, I, um, on a lighter note, back uh, well, was a few years ago, um, before I was married, I uh, was working at a job, and I had you know, long hair, I was a hippie dude or whatever, and um, in order to get another job, I had to cut my hair. Basically, the only shot at getting the job was cutting my hair. And so I reluctantly cut my hair, pretty short, conservative, so I had a chance to interview for the job. And um, so anyway, I, I went to a party with a bunch of people that I knew. I mean, there was like 40 or 50 people there. And uh, as I walked into the party with a new haircut, this guy John was kind of across the room, and he sees me and goes, Mike, your hair looks so much better I'm like, I think that was supposed to be a compliment, but it didn't feel like it. And my my wife Susie, she's sitting over here, and she uh, she just she had also long hair. Just and just this week, she cut her hair really short, and she tormented over, should I do it? I don't know, it's long. And you cut it short. I don't know if I should do it. And so she's, I'm going to do it. And I'm like, yeah, go, it'll be great. So she goes and she gets her hair cut, and then uh, she walks into the house, and Elijah was there in the kitchen. And um, she walks in, and she's like, hi, Lige. And uh, he looks up at her, and he goes, oh, hi, Mom. Um, Do we have any applesauce? (laughs) Uh, Not the response she was looking for either. You know, today, though, we're looking at building each other up. And there are—I want to look at a verse, 1 Thessalonians 5, 11. It says this, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as, in fact, you are doing. Encourage and build up. And the word uh, encourage, build up, that, that word in the Greek literally means it's the same word you use in, in doing a building or a project, a, like, a, like a makeover in a house. And he, what he's saying there is do that to, for each other. Build each other up. Personal makeovers. That's what, he, that's, that's what he's talking about there. You know, we could look at building each other up. We could look at it in a few different ways. One, we, you could look at it uh, like in terms of our role in the body of Christ or building the church up, using our spiritual gifts. There are a lot of, a lot of those kind of ways to look at it, but that's not what I want to do this morning. I actually want to make it personal and have a specific view and a one-to-one, how can I build you, an individual, up? And I want to look in specific at how our words impact that. And so um, we were in this series called Stuck Like Glue that we just started last week. If you were here, you heard Dave uh, talking about speaking truth, which can be very difficult for some people or way too easy for some people, you know. And uh, this is another one of those topics where some people can be, it's really easy or really difficult to encourage and build, build others up. And you could think of these, possibly you could think of truth and encouragement as opposites. I actually think of them as sort of as bookends, Right? Because there's got to be truth if you're going to encourage someone. And so, um, I, Robert Frost says this. I love this quote. He says, Half of the world is composed of people who have something to say and can't. The other half who have nothing to say and keep on saying it. <laughs> Somewhere we've got to 
make those two worlds meet. So when I've got something to say, I've got to say it. Words are just super, super, super important. How many of you guys remember uh, the, um, when you were kids? Um, the, I th- they think they still do them. They're called Mad Libs. Remember that? So I thought it'd be fun, just to demonstrate the power of words, to do a Mad Lib in here. What do you think? Sound fun? Good. Underwhelming. Good. Uh, specific word right there. Underwhelming. Uh, so here's what I'm going to do, and this is the interactive portion of our message today. I'm going to actually ask you for some words, and you're going to shout them out, and then we're going we're to create a Mad Lib here. So I need a past tense verb. Rad? Ran. All right. Think creative. Ran is our first one. Ran. <laughs> the hat, yeah. Okay. Now give me a uh, give me another past tense verb. Creative here now. Come on, fun. There you go. Uh, all right. Give me a an adjective. Dropped. It's not an adjective. Slimy. There you go. Slimy. Give me a a, a, a verb that ends with s. I'm sorry? This one's for the people. Farts. So we have ran, we have exploded, we have slimy, we have farts. All right, give me a proper noun. Who, Mariah? You, you may be sad you recommended yourself, Mariah. So, all right. Uh, let me see. I need another verb. Dance. Sorry? Harry? Well, you guys did not do well in your English class, did you? <laughs> we'll go with dance. Uh, and then a noun. A person, place, or thing. Church? I heard church. So we got ran, exploded, slimy, farts, Mariah, I was warning you, dance, and church. Now, what I decided to do would be to understand the power of words. I thought we would take a Bible verse and insert some of our own words. Hopefully, this is not heretical. If it is, you did it, not me. I just wrote them down. So let's look at John 3.16. For God so ran the world that he exploded his one and slimy son that whoever farts in Mariah shall not dance but have eternal church. Isn't that exciting? God's word is active and so practical to our daily lives. See, the power of words, the way you use words is very, very important. I think we understand that. I want to look at a, uh, a verse, Proverbs 18.21. It says this. It says that the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. And let me ask you, have you ever considered that your words can actually cause death or bring life to people? Can you imagine if you really thought in terms that literally, if your words, if I could say something and you would die, or I could say something and you'd raise from the dead, 
Don't you think we would use our words much more carefully? See, but we don't all too. Sometimes we actually do think like that and we pick a specific word. And sometimes we just don't think like that and we're really reckless with our words. And so what I want to do, my English teacher from high school will be upset that I'm doing it this way, but we're going to look at the two parts of speech today, life and death. And I want to start by looking at how we use words to cause death, and then I want to arc into how we can use our words to create life in those around us. Best I can think, there are two, two main causes for death by our words. And the first is this, criticism. We've got to avoid criticism. Ephesians 4.29 tells us, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. No unwholesome talk. You know, I'd love to tell you that since I'm a pastor here at the church, that's true of me. But that would be unwholesome because it's not true. See, I started to think about why is it so important that we're not, we don't criticize. And I sort of came up with a few ideas. David Kinnaman wrote a book called Unchristian. I don't know if you've ever read it. It's a very, very interesting book. And what he did is in this book is he, he surveyed thousands of people for their perceptions on Christians, what, what do Christians stand for? He says this, one of the quotes he makes in the book is this, that we have become famous for what we oppose rather than what we are for. Let me hit you with some jarring stats here. 91% of the people surveyed, you know what they thought about Christians? That we were anti-homosexual. 87% said we were judgmental. 85 said we're hypocritical, 75 says we're too political, 72 say we're out of touch with reality, 78% said we're old-fashioned, 70% said we're insensitive to others, and 68% said we're boring. Let me ask you something. How many of you go, sign me up for that? Let me ask you another question. What do we believe? Not according to our statistics. See, this is what happens when you're critical. You become defined by what you stand against as opposed to what you stand for. Do you realize that the bulk of the Bible is all about what we are to do? Yet, what do we focus on? What we're not to do. Again, when we are critical, we're defined by the things we're against, not what we're for. And it's a problem. The second thing that happens is we create toxic relationships that people, quite frankly, want to avoid. Don't raise your hand, but I'm sure you can all relate to having someone that you know, you're just like, man, I don't know, I can't be around that person. They're just so negative. They're critical. They criticize all the time. I can't take it. Here's where I can be really honest with you. Friday, and I'm teaching on this today, three days later, okay? Friday, I'm in a meeting with the arts team, and I don't even remember what we're talking about. I don't remember... Uh, what I said or what was said, but someone asked a question in uh, Patrick, who was just leading worship up here. I, I respond, he, someone asked something, I said something in response, and uh, Patrick says, oh, it's great that we have negative Nancy with us here this morning. <laughs> so I'm an expert on talking about this. But seriously, how often 
Do we find ourselves in situations like that where we're being critical or negative? Wah, wah, in walks Debbie Downer. See, what happens when we're critical is we create toxic relationships that people don't want to be around. Third thing is we set ourselves up as the standard by which others are to be judged, which means we are better than. Doesn't everyone want to be around people who think that they're better than you? Not so much. And we tear down and discourage rather than build up. I'll share a story with you. I'm just going to be kind of honest this morning. I used to coach high school basketball. Love basketball, but I, I used to coach it. And um, we were playing, Clarenceville High School was a school we were playing, and uh, they were a class or two above us. So we got the game, and to beat, a cla- to beat a school that's above you is a really big deal. So we were playing great. We had a couple things that weren't going well, but we were winning at halftime. And so great, brilliant coach Mike, mentor of Bobby Knight, uh, decided that the best way to motivate the team would be to go in at halftime and really create a stir, slam a locker, and tell them what they're doing wrong so that they'll fix those things, and we would roll. That did not happen. The productivity of my team went, and we went from a great first half to a horrible second half, and because of me, because of my critical attitude. You know, the actor James Stewart, he tells this story. He says, God, God decided to reduce the weapons in the devil's armory to one. So he, he, told, he told Satan, you can choose one weapon, just one. And so Satan, after thinking about it, said, okay, I'll choose, uh, I'll choose discouragement. That's my one weapon. And then he said this, if only I can persuade Christians to be thoroughly discouraged, he reasoned. They'll make no further effort, and I shall be enthroned in their lives. See, when we are critical and criticizing, we discourage others, and it causes negative. We kill with our words. Discouragement demotivates. Criticism discourages. We become killers with our words. How many of you guys have heard, sticks and stones may break my bones, but... Will what? You know what's awesome about that statement? Nothing. It's a lie. Isn't it? My bones will heal with a cast. My emotions take much longer to heal. Words, and critical words in particular, are terribly powerful. Galatians 5, 14 and 15 says this, The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. In war, they call that friendly fire. When someone on your own team takes you out accidentally. Susie and I were walking uh, I don't, a few weeks ago. She just reminded me of this this morning. And uh, we we're working through what, I don't even remember what we're talking about. But I just stopped and I just said to her, Susie, your words are killing me. And she turned and she looks, what do you mean? I'm like, man, I'm down. And I need someone to be there for me. And you're just piling on. And it changed. Just, in a, just like that, things changed. Because in that moment, I, I helped her understand her words were powerful. 
you have that opportunity in so many relationships around you to be the words that are not discouraging. Second thing, though, that I want to talk about is this. Not only criticism, but avoiding opportunities to encourage. Uh, Ira Gasson, he's an author, he says this, be careful of your thoughts because they may become words at any moment. Yeah, the Bible says out of the overflow of your heart, your mouth speaks, right? Same thing. But the, one of the problems that we also have is that many of us refuse to allow our thoughts to become words. And that's also detrimental. Proverbs 3.27, do not withhold good from those who deserve it when it's in your power to help them. Psalm 84.11, for the Lord God is our sun and our shield. He gives us grace and glory. The Lord will withhold no good thing from those who do what is right. He doesn't want to withhold stuff from us. You know, you may be a boss or have a boss that's not speaking positive into you. Have you ever had that experience? I'm sure you have. It's very, very discouraging also. As a parent or from your parent, think about this in your relationship to your kids. Are you withholding praise that may help them become something as a coach, as a boss, as a mentor, as a husband, as a wife? You see, sometimes we can withhold praise because we want to keep the upper hand, right? And if I tell you something good about yourself, I lose some leverage, don't I? And it's wrong. Sometimes I withhold because I don't actually believe that my words make much difference, and it's false. Sometimes I just don't care about people enough to take the opportunity and speak life into them. Instead, I withhold, and I, by, through silence, I speak death into them. I've got to tell you a story. <laughs> uh, I'm being real vulnerable this morning, and I uh, always loved music, and uh, this is a few years back, still in Michigan, and um, the uh, arts director at Kensington was getting a group of songwriters together, and he said, hey guys, love to have you come together, come over to my house, and I just want to share songs, I just want to play some songs while I'll hear each other's songs and get feedback and thoughts and whatever. So, hey Mike, would you be willing to come? I said, sure, that'd be great. And so, uh, I had a class that night, I was, uh, you know, in school, and um, after, after my class was done... I zipped over to his house, and I got there late, and they'd already started, and so I get there, and it, it was really interesting, because people were sharing songs, and, you know, wow, that's great, and, and then it kind of trickled down, and someone would go, I have these three chords, jing, 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 and everyone was like, oh, man, yeah, great chords, and someone was like, I got a melody, but I can't remember it right now, oh, fantastic, you know, and so then they go, hey, Mike, do you have anything? I go, well, yeah, I just wrote this song, it's called Peace Pipe, and um, I really like it, and so, um, and the song was, and so I, they, here's the st- story behind the song. It's just about, written about these people who were, who were dating, and they were just like really toxic for each other, right? They just, they just brought out the worst in each other, and for some reason they tried to stick it out and keep going at it, and they just made it worse and worse and worse. And so the point of the song was, hey, listen, the peace pipe, it's broken. <laughs> Call it off. You guys are bad for each other, right? So I play the song. It's a, you know... I think a good song. I, I play it and I get done. Bring. One girl stands up and walks out of the room. 
Anyone else have a song? <laughs> I was crushed. I, the good news is I came to find out later that what actually happened, the two people that I wrote the song about were actually, in, it was anonymous. I wrote about these two people. They had broken up that night and shared before I got there about how, <laughs> about, about their, <laughs> so, uh, you know, so I don't think it was, I, I, maybe, maybe you've had that experience when you listen to my CD. I don't know, but Anyway, withholding is, it, it can be a, a really, really harmful thing. I still continue to write music, and I, I still will. So uh, listen, don't listen, applaud, don't, I don't care, whatever. Anyway, so, uh, so those are two things that can bring death into a relationship through our words or lack of. The other thing, though, is that I want to look at is how do we bring life? And I want to I look at this verse again, Ephesians 4.29. It says this, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Only what is helpful for building others up. You see, that's part of the problem, that when we're criticizing, we're not building up, and good things are not coming out. Right? And it's important that we do that. Uh, William uh, uh, William Arthur Ward, he's another author. He, he says this. This is a fantastic qu- quote. You probably want to write this down. Flatter me, and I may not believe you. Criticize me, and I may not like you. Ignore me, and I may not forgive you. Encourage me, and I will not forget you. How many of you can remember a specific compliment given to you when you were much younger that to this day, you remember the person, the place, the, the context, and it still affects your life. Anyone? I have to tell you, here's another story. I, I played bas- started playing when I was, uh, I started playing basketball when I was uh, in sixth grade. It was my first year playing basketball. And my dad, I've shared, he's, he's a hockey player. He's totally not a basketball player. And, um, like, we would always laugh. Like, my dad was horrible. He'd go out and play basketball with us and and, like, he had this, like, he'd take the ball on the sides, and, and like, he would, uh, he'd, like, kind of arch, and, he, and he'd, like, like this. Like, like he, I don't know, it was weird, but, and he would just, the ball would just rock at the rim, like, 100 miles an hour or something. So one time, one time, we're actually, we're all packed up. The car's packed up for our vacation, family vacation. We're going to leave. It's all packed up. We're just waiting for my mom to come out. My dad decides to take a shot, and he, he does this thing. Boom, and he hits the back of the rim. It rocks off the back of the rim into the windshield, shatters the windshield. My dad was not a basketball player, okay? And I tell you that because it actually doesn't even matter with what he said. So I started playing basketball, like I said, in sixth grade. And I remember the game. I'm playing, and uh, it's close game at the end. Of the, and, and I have the ball, and they're pressing us. And I dribbled through the press, and I dished off to a guy, and he shot, and he scored. And uh, after the game, my dad says this. He says, you know, Mike you're really good at dribbling the ball and shifting hands right when you need to and getting the ball to the people who, who are open to shoot. And then in ninth grade, I had another guy. I remember we were playing basketball. He, he said, Mike, I want to come watch you play basketball. Sometimes he came, he watched, and there was a loose ball, and I grabbed the ball, and I had it, you know, right around half court. I just had it easy. I, I'd beaten the defense, so easy layup for a bucket. There's another guy over here, and instead of taking the bucket, I just flipped it over to him to take the, bu- to take the layup. He came up to me after the game a few days later. and said, Mike, I want to tell you something. I watched your game. You want to know? You're unselfish. You are a great passer. 
And when you pass like that and you're unselfish, your team is going to win. You need to keep doing that. From sixth grade all the way through college, I played all the way through college, I was never on a team where anyone had more assists than me because someone spoke it into me at a very early age. And you have the opportunity to do the very same for people all around you. Imagine relationships with your kids, brothers, sisters, parents, whoever. What does it mean to build each other up? I want to give you, you can write these things down. Here are some practical steps for you to work on this week, today as you leave. The first thing is this. Ephesians, or I'm sorry, Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as you're in the habit of doing. Encourage each other. I tried, I was sitting there and I was trying so hard. I was going to come up with this clever, you know, like um, each adult can, you know, and I'm like, none of <laughs> my sentences didn't make sense. And I thought it was just, so I don't have anything clever like that. But the first one's encourage, okay? And we all know what that means. That means just to speak good. When I see something good in you and I tell you I see it. I don't withhold it. I don't see the bad. I see the good. And I tell you about it. Encourage. The second thing is to admonish. This is a Bible word, right? You don't hear this other places, but admonish. What that means is to warn, reprimand, advise, or urge earnestly. Now, this is different than criticizing, just so you know, right? This means I see you doing something and I go, that's a problem. It's going to be a problem for you. It's going to be a problem for others around you. And I need to do it in love, just like we say, the bookend of truth. I encourage you when I help you avoid bad situations, and I do that through admonishing you. I see potential problems, and in love, I come alongside you and say, hey, you've got to stop doing that. The third is this, mentor. And uh, Ephesians 6.4 is a passage, if you want to look that up, that speaks about admonishing. Mentor. Now, Paul wrote to churches... Uh, and, and Timothy is who he wrote, writes to in uh, Timothy, the book of First and Second Timothy. Paul writes to him, and Paul is actually mentoring him in these letters, saying, "Here's what you should do. Here's what he's taking a guy who's young and growing in his leadership, and he's helping coach him. Each one of you have you have. How many of you guys have kids out here? M- most of us. How many of you are in positions at work where you can actually develop leadership? At least half of us. See, this is what mentoring is. I see potential in someone, and I grow that potential. So encourage, admonish, mentor. Fifth, exhort. Now, that's urge to do something. Give earnest advice. So in other words, now here's where it's different is, I see someone who's not doing something that they totally could be doing. And instead of saying silent, I go, no, 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 no. You need to understand. You have great potential. You're not doing it. Let's do it. That's what exhorting is. The sixth thing, uh, is that six? Encourage, admonish, mentor, exhort. Oh, my numbers are off. I forgot number three. The fifth thing, edify. And that's just to instruct. I need to teach you practical steps. I have someone in my life that I can actually walk through a process of growth. And then the last is to celebrate the successes with them. 
It's important. And why is it important? It's important because when you encourage and admonish and, and, and mentor, I, do you realize you actually create targets for people? Like my, that guy who's my, and my dad who just made these one-time comments. You're good at this. I see it in you. And I strive to achieve that. It's important that we do that in our lives. It strengthens our relationships. When I see someone that is doing something and I encourage them, I, bring, I, I, I tell them that I see that in them. What happens to that relationship? It brings closeness. What happens when I go, you're kind of bad at that. I don't like your tie and your green shirt looks ridiculous. That does not help me have... Uh, joking, okay? It does not... That does not help encourage a relationship to grow. It causes division. It brings others to life. So this week, even today, I want you to think of specific people because we all have them. Every single one of us have people in our lives that we could be doing these six things with. Right? We're going to pray as we close here. And I want you to think this through as we're praying. Think of the people in your life that you can speak life into. Think of people in your life that maybe you have got to stop being toxic with and speaking death into. Will you guys pray with me? Heavenly Father, you uh, love us so deeply, so deeply that you... uh, we didn't deserve any of this. And yet, before we even loved you, based on nothing we have done, you pursued us, you, you sought us, you reconciled ourselves to you because you are the ultimate encourager. You want to build us up to be all that we can be. Lord, I pray that you would help us see in us what we are to be, what you desire for us, what we can be. And help us to replicate that in our lives so that we're bringing life into those around us. So this community becomes a community of love and and encouragement and a place where we're known for what we believe and not for what we're against. Lead us and... Uh, in areas where we're critical and where we're being negative Nancy and where we're criticizing others, we're being silent withholding. We pray for your forgiveness in our lives. We pray that you would heal our hearts and Lord Jesus, create us, uh, create in us a new heart, make us who you want us to be. We love you so much. We thank you. We ask this in your name.